I called and asked some brothers if they would help me out. Uh, just felt like the Lord wanted us to talk about his love and loving one another during the month of February. And so I really appreciate uh, Kelly, David, Philip, who preached on Sunday mornings. Uh, Lauren Little shared a message with the men on Monday night. So could we give them a hand, tell them thank you for uh, sharing the word with us. Uh, well, uh, I'm so thankful for our church. We have several men who can, and ladies, by the way, who can teach the word here. And I'm certainly uh, blessed by that. Um, I want to follow that up a little bit, talking about the love of God this morning. I'm hoping I can communicate that maybe in a little bit different way today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something that's a little uncomfortable, but, uh, but a little different uh, for me, and I'm going to try to transition us toward celebrating Easter in just four weeks. Uh, it's going to be Easter, the first week in April this year, so we're going to start focusing in on the person of Jesus as we go forward. But let's look at John 3.16 uh, up on the screen, because I'm going to ask you to read it with me so we can all be in the same translation. It says, for God so loved, read it with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting. Have you ever thought about that? Ever thought for very long about what that means? I, I'm going to put it up again and I'm going to underline the phrase so loved because uh, when I was looking at it recently, this just jumped out at me. God so loved. He so loved the world. I mean, there's passion in that phrase. God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have e eternal life. You know the people that operate that Hubble telescope that orbits around our planet about 350 miles up off the Earth's surface. They have it stationed up in space so they aren't distracted or the, the, the ability to see isn't cut down by the Earth's atmosphere. So it hovers above the atmosphere, 350 miles above the Earth. They would tell you that there are at least, at least, a hundred billion galaxies similar to uh, the Milky Way galaxy that our little planet and our little star called the sun and moon, of course, Pluto, whatever. I don't know. Some of you know all those names. You know, there are 400 million stars in the Milky Way galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy is 609 trillion miles across. And it's one of the smallest galaxies of the 100 billion. And some say, that's just an estimate. Some say there's far more, maybe 200. And to be honest, the farther they look, the more they see. I, I, I don't know if you believe in God or if you have faith in God, but if you do, you understand that we, we're not an accident. This universe we live in is not an accident. There wasn't just a big bang. And now all the debris is floating around in space out there. Uh, if, if you believe 
God's word, you know that God spoke and bang, it happened. That, that God spoke, said, let there be light. God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that, that whoever believes in him would not perish. <clears throat> Excuse me. Would not perish, but have eternal life. It's, you know what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 6? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's shocking to me. While we were still sinners. In other words, 2,000 years ago, God knew while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know that he died for us with no guarantee that we'd ever love him back? Jesus took on the sins of people who will never say thank you. That's the love of God. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not the way I love. If you're like me, you expect something in return. I mean, when you love your wife, you'd like a little kudo. You know what I'm saying? And, of course, wives, if you love your husband, you just kind of think maybe you get a little bit of attention. I mean, I realize not much, but a little would be good. Okay, but we expect something. We expect something from our spouse. We expect something from our kids. We give a gift. We expect a thank you. See, one of the things you begin to realize is you're not like God because you don't love like he loves. God so loved. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That we, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us with no guarantee that we would ever love him back. That's amazing to me. Now, you might be here this morning and you're thinking, well, Pat, I don't, you know, I don't know what I think about God. And I, don't, I don't know what I think about this person, Jesus. And to, to be honest, that's fine. I mean, one of the gifts that God has given all of us is a freedom of choice. It's your prerogative. And can you imagine if you created everything and then you, you would give people freedom of choice in regard to whether they'd ever say thank you? That's amazing. God's pretty comfortable with himself. See, God doesn't do love. He doesn't have love. God is love. He can no more stop loving than he can deny himself. Because he existed before time began. In him we live and move and have our being. God so loved the world. And whether you ever accept that or believe that won't change who God is. I promise it'll change who you are. But what you believe about God will never change who he is because he is omnipotent, all-powerful. He's eternal. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is and he was and he is to come. Could someone say hallelujah to that? He is. He is. He is God. And if you never love God, he will never stop loving you because he cannot deny himself. 
God is love. And not only does he love you, he will never stop watching you. The Bible says his thoughts toward you are more than the grains of sand on the seashore. God loves you. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a mom or a dad with the so loves. You ever seen a mom or a dad with the so loves? I mean, you know, they just had a new baby. They come to church for the first time. They've got this little plastic spaceship called a car seat, and they're carrying their baby into the church. You know, they've got to cover it with a blanket because, of course, they want to you know, keep them safe and healthy and warm. And, and you've heard they had a baby, and you walk up, and can I see them? And they just light up, don't they? They so love. I mean, they're, they're so excited. <laughs> My... Uh, my nephew and his wife had their first baby. By the way, grandparents are that way too. And, uh, you know, my nephew and his wife had uh, their first baby, which means my brother and his wife, who is, he, he's older than me, got their first grandchild. And uh, he is cute, by the way. He only weighed four pounds. Four pounds. Little guy, uh, married, uh, born about, uh, about 30 days earlier. So just, but just a, a little, a little guy. And, his fingers are so small and so cute. You know the little finger? Have you ever just been amazed at a fingernail on a little baby? They are like amazing. My brother and his wife sent us about a thousand pictures, you know. <laughs> a thousand. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I think every time that baby opened his, oh, did you see that? They took a picture or... You know, every, oh, it moved its arm and they took a picture. And uh, just, I got, they all looked the same to me, but like a thousand, a thousand pictures. See, that's, they had the so loves, man. <laughs> so love. So, that's God's love for you. He so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. My, my wife and I, when uh, our first uh, child was born, it was a boy, his name's Andrew, and uh, we were living in Olympia, Washington at that time, and um, he was born on a Wednesday. I was an assistant pastor at a church, and, uh, and it was, you know, amazing. By the way, he was nine pounds, six ounces, so he was not little. And back then... Um, you know, we're into this all-natural thing, no medication, no pain meds, just... <clears throat> anyway, my wife is a hero. But anyway, um, she's amazing. And, uh, but he was born on a Wednesday, and a few people at church heard that our, our baby was born, so they came up. Now, back then, you know, you, ha you were born in an operating room. You got this big light over you. You didn't have this cool, you know, deco-styled... Uh, you know, baby home up at the hospital where you had your baby. And uh, so you know, th they took the baby, took him out, and of course did what they do. They put Cheryl uh, comfortably in a room. She, of course, got to spend some time with him right after he was born. But then, you know, I'm out there with Andrew, and we're in the, where all the little babies are, in the little plastic cubicle things there. They call them, I don't know, they bassinets or something. But anyway, there's this curtain. And the nurse comes up to me and, uh, and says, uh, hey, there's some people outside in the hallway. They'd like to see your baby. <laughs> Are you kidding? 
she hands me the baby. Man, I, talk about the so loves. I mean, I just stepped up in front of that room. They opened the curtain. You know, I just, I had the so loves. So loved. My, uh, that Sunday, I, I, I was the worship leader at the, at the church there. and wasn't sure if I'd be there or not because didn't know how Cheryl would be doing. I may need to be home, but she was doing well. She said, you can go ahead and go. And so I was leading worship that morning. And we were, we were singing uh, a great hymn of the church, To God Be the Glory. Does anyone know it? Can you sing it with me? To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his His son? See, I got to that word. And all of a sudden... I thought about this little nine and a half pound boy in a bassinet back at our house. So loved he the world that he gave us his son? And I couldn't say it. I just lost it. I'm standing up there, suit on. That's what we wore back then, 41 years ago, almost. And I had a tie on. And I couldn't say it. I lost it. I just started bawling. I'm not crying, bawling. I had to get down off the stage and sit and just the waterworks. God so loved. He, he so loved. He so loved the world. And that means he so loves you. That's incredible to me. Now, 750 years before Jesus came to the planet, God's amazing, extraordinary, unconditional love showed up on full display in a young man whose name was Hosea, prophet of God. He, he was a prophet to the uh, 10 northern tribes, the nation of Israel. Some of you remember there were 12 tribes, two that uh, worshipped around Jerusalem, but they divided. The other ten went up north, made uh, their worship center in Samaria. And so uh, Hosea is prophesying to the ten northern tribes, calling them, of course, back to God. Now, if you've read the prophets in the Old Testament, uh, they were all amazing, by the way. Uh, but, but when they communicated God's message, uh, not only did they speak their message, but they, they got to live their message. There were things that God asked them to do to live out what he was trying to say, kind of like an illustrated sermon. It's true of Isaiah and Jeremiah. But I would suggest that Hosea was giving uh, what I would call the most peculiar, uh, if not slightly embarrassing, uh, assignment of all the prophets. Hosea is a young man. Uh, probably in his late 20s, maybe early 30s. Uh, people didn't marry as young back then. Uh, and so, uh, certainly younger, uh, maybe late 20s, early 30s. One morning, he is up, and he's doing his devotion. And he's worshiping God. God, I just, I just love you. God, I just want to know you. God, use me. I just... Anything you want from me, God, anything you want to do in my life. And, and God spoke to him and said, Hosea, I want you to marry a prostitute. 
come again, God? I want you to marry a prostitute. Are you sure? I mean, at that time in history, in the nation of Israel, a, a prostitute was less than a human being. They were despised. They were cut off. They had no inheritance with Israel. They, 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 they couldn't be considered to be loved by God. It's, it was impossible uh, according to how they interpreted the law and uh, the culture they lived in. Now, there's not a lot of explanation. Uh, you can read about it if you want in chapter one, but you know, my first question, sorry, I ask questions when I read the Bible. I hope that's okay. My first question is, how did he meet her? <laughs> did he go down to the the red light district, you know, that part of town, or maybe the brothel, did they date? I mean, how, how, did, how, did, he, how did he pick her? Uh, there's not a lot of explanation about all of that, but uh, apparently he chose a woman named Gomer, and we're not quite sure how he picked her, but um, things went pretty well for a while. Uh, they had a baby boy, not too long after they were married, after he was weaned, a couple years, uh, they had a baby girl. And uh, after she was weaned, a couple years, uh, they had another baby boy. Uh, one day, uh, Hosea wakes up. Something feels different. Something's not right. Even if it's something in your, it's not right. He reaches over and Gomer's not there in the bed. So he gets up, goes out to the kitchen. She's not there goes to the children's room, she's not there. Goes out to the barn, maybe she's milking the, she's not there. Uh, goes maybe to the chicken coop, maybe she's getting eggs, she's not there. She's gone. And all of a sudden, Hosea is a single dad with three kids. Now, Hosea, by this time, by the way, has become pretty popular in Israel. And uh, this is a religious culture, right? So he's a prophet. And because uh, his prophecies are respected and listened to, historians will say he was probably one of the most well-known people in all the nation of Israel at this time. So embarrassment's going to be a problem. He's a man of God and uh, supposed to be a beacon of hope and light to the nation of Israel. Can't even keep his wife at home. Now, we're not sure what happened after this. I'm sure there were some dark nights. Any of you have ever found yourself single suddenly as a single parent, whether you're a mom or a dad? I'm sure there were some times where he had doubts, wondered, God, where are you? I'm sure he probably questioned his faith, maybe his calling. Why did I think God told me to marry a prostitute? What was I thinking? How, how could that work? You know, self-doubt. Self-condemnation, self-guilt, all of that stuff flooding in. 
the kids wake up at night, they're crying for mommy. Now, if you've ever read the book of Isaiah, you might think, I'm, Pastor, you're reading a lot into this. I hope so. You know, sometimes we read the Bible as though it's plastic, that it's not real. God worked his plan of salvation in real time with real people, with real feelings. That's the amazing thing about the Bible. The Bible is written over a period of 2,000 years. There's 46 authors. One message, God's plan of salvation, his desire to rescue and save a people from their sins and call them back to himself through the person of Jesus Christ. And every book of the Bible communicates that message. And Jesus is found in the Bible in every book somewhere. Some of the deepest lessons we learn about God, if we're willing, happen as we're going through some of the deepest pain we could ever experience in our life. God understands our pain. He understands what it's like to be divorced. He's been divorced by millions of people throughout history. They've turned their back on him. They've left him. He, he, he knows what it's like to be the single dad or the single mom. He knows what it's like to invest love and not be loved in return. God understands what we've gone through. Don't think you're the only one. God had a message for the nation of Israel. God had a message for generations after Hosea would live. He has a message for you and me. He wanted Hosea to deliver a message but first, he had to teach Hosea the message. Hosea had to walk through so that he could understand the message that God wanted to, to speak through him. Can I say this? You can't have the life of God without the life of God. And you can't teach the life of God without being touched by the life of God. And allowing the life of God to teach you and train you and form you so that you can then give birth to and deliver the message of God. How many know we are his messengers? Ambassadors for Christ. God is working his message of salvation in every generation, through every group of people, in every life. And we read about it in the Old Testament, through the prophets, we see it demonstrated. But he's communicating the same message or a similar message in you. And your ability to recognize the message, receive the message, learn the message, and communicate the message. Because the world we live in needs to be touched by God. Could someone say amen to that? Stop pointing your finger at what's wrong in the world. And start listening to the message that God is teaching you. 
You cannot have the life of God without the life of God. This generation needs the life of God. And we can't communicate the life of God if we haven't been touched by the life of God. We can't. We're not an audience. We're ambassadors for Christ. So, God is wanting to teach Hosea his heart. That's amazing to me. That God would, God, who created all things, would be humble enough and kind enough to teach me, to teach you about his life and about his love so that others can be touched by his life and his love through us. And so God, of course, is trying to teach that message to, to Hosea. Now, um, I don't know all that Hosea went through. I don't know how many years it was. Bible doesn't make that clear. But finally one day God comes to Hosea and says, I want you to go find your wife and marry her again. Are you crazy? I, Lord, I don't know where she's been. I, I don't know... I don't know what she's been doing with whoever she's been doing it with. What kind of STDs are we talking about here? Hosea. He's one of the most amazing men in all the Bible. He deserves a lot of credit. I, I'm not sure how he was feeling, but he was obedient to God. You'll never know God until you become obedient to him. God asks you to be obedient first and then he'll teach you what he's teaching you. Obedience always proceeds revelation. So in Hosea chapter three, uh, verse one through five, and I'll read all of this and it's, a lot of it's not gonna make sense. I'll try to explain some of it in a moment. Beginning in verse one, then the Lord said to me, Hosea, then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. Are you kidding me? Go love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover? This will illustrate the Lord still loves Israel even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. Verse two, so I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even with me. 
This shows that Israel will go a long time without a king or prince and without sacrifices, sacred pillars, priests, or even idols. There's a lot to that, but we'll go to verse five. But afterward, the people will return, hallelujah, and devote themselves to the Lord their God and to David's descendant, their king. Does anyone know who that is? It's Jesus. Hosea didn't know yet. Okay, this is 750 years before Jesus came. He didn't know yet. He didn't know what it would be. But he saw a day. He was prophesying a day when the people of Israel will come back to God and they will worship the true king, Jesus. And in, the last, in the last days, they will tremble in awe of God, of the Lord, and of his goodness. Hallelujah. There's a lot in these verses. and uh, The first lesson that God was teaching Hosea is that God loved Israel like a husband loves his wife. Now, this was totally new to them. They knew God as holy, awesome. I mean, he parted the Red Sea. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Uh, they, 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 they knew his power. They knew he was holy. The, 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 nation, the nation of Israel wouldn't even speak his name when they read the Bible. They would just... It was silent, they just, because they, because he was holy. So they, but for God to be a husband, to be jealous, to have passion for his wife, to, to, to know God, that they just didn't know God. God chose Israel out of all the nations of the world. Not because they were righteous, not because they were better, but because he wanted to. Do you know that God brought salvation for you because he wanted to? He chose you because he wanted to? Not because you were better than anybody else, but, but because he wanted to. He, he, chose, he rescued her out of slavery. He gave her a land and he blessed her there and made her successful. In fact, historians say when Hosea was prophesying, this was one of the most financially successful times in Israel's history. I mean, the stock market was up, interest rates were low, housing was booming. They had it all. But they didn't need God. They turned their back on God. They falled away from God. It sounds so much like the world we live in. They thought they could buy love. They, they thought that love was, was about self-gratification. I mean, all you need is this app on your phone. I don't know if you know this or not. You just have this app on your phone. You can hook up. You can have sex at lunch, whatever. Some of you don't even know. Now, I don't have one on my phone, just so you know. But we live in a culture today that thinks they can buy love, or that love is about self-gratification, or that you can find love in material things. And that's what was happening, of course, in the nation of Israel at that time. They were, they were lost. But God had refused to stop loving them. You see, God doesn't do love. He doesn't have love. God is love. And he still loved Israel. He had asked Hosea to choose Gomer. Hosea rescued her out of slavery, gave her a home, gave her children, gave her dignity. She was married to a man of God who had become one of the most 
arguably one of the most popular men in all of Israel. And God was saying to Hosea, I have not given up on her. I love her. And I don't want you to give up on her. I want you to love her. Even though, it says, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them, I still love them. Can you imagine what it was like for Hosea to go find his wife? Okay, so... He's going down to that part of town, okay? Red light district, brothels, whatever you want to call it. Now, it says in Isaiah, Isaiah talks about Israel being dressed like a harlot, you know, with all the makeup, breasts exposed, whatever. So, you know, they're they're attracting men. Now, how does he find his wife? He's got to go up to the women who are in the industry. That had to be a little uncomfortable. He's a man of God. One of the most well-known men in Israel. So he's going up to these women and he's, he's asking, have, have you seen Gomer? Gomer? Yeah, my wife. Your wife? I don't know, man. I, I haven't seen her for a while. So he keeps moving. And probably went up to some men. You know, rough, coarse, maybe in a back alley, dark street corner. <sighs> hey, man, you seen my, you seen Gomer? Gomer? Yeah. My wife. What? Your wife? Oh, man, my bad. Sorry. Yeah, man, I saw her a couple of days ago. She's a couple blocks down. Now, Historians say that Hosea probably found his wife in an auction because of the price in verse 2 that he paid. Uh, Probably found her being sold as a slave, sex slave, in an auction. Can you imagine? You know, Hosea, he, he sees this group of men. There's a crowd. And he, he doesn't know what's going on. He's a man of God. <laughs> okay. He slips through the crowd. And uh, it's his wife up on the auction block. And there's this coarse, rough, kind of brute man got a chain around his wife and she's dressed as a harlot the makeup and the exposure it's his wife he goes up to the man he says sir he said that's my wife and the man says I don't care who she is she's mine and she's for sale Can you imagine the eye contact between Gomer and Hosea at that point? I never thought he would come down here. I I never thought he would come looking for me. And Hosea steps forward and says, 
I'll pay whatever price. Now, verse 2. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. She's already his wife. And yet he's willing to buy her back? You know, it says in the book of Psalms 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all who live in it. Did you know that you already belong to the Lord? And yet he bought you back. He paid a price. Jesus was willing to pay a price to buy back what God already owned. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all who live in it. There are Bible scholars who will tell you the 15 pieces of silver symbolize Jesus' divinity, five bushels of barley represent his humanity, and of course the measure of wine, sign of the Holy Spirit that we can be born again. Could someone say hallelujah? 750 years before Jesus came, God is preaching the gospel to a man named Hosea so that he can preach a message to the nation of Israel and then a message to us. It's, it's amazing to me. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It's an amazing story. We've heard it so much, we don't even think about it anymore. We take it for granted. We don't understand the passion and the power and the love and the holiness of God his commitment to you, how much he loves you. In verse three, uh, rescues her from slavery. He calls her to repentance. Uh, Hosea renews his vows. And then the spirit of the Lord comes on Hosea in verse four and five. And uh, Hosea says, this shows that Israel will go a long time without a king or prince, without sacrifices, sacred pillars, priests, or even idols. Uh, and those specific historical things are true of Israel's history from the time of Hosea. How many know that uh, 70 years after Jesus was crucified, the temple was torn down? There's never been sacrifice in Israel since that time. So he's prophesying of what's to come there in those verses. But afterward, people return and devote themselves to the Lord their God and to David's descendants. And of course, David's descendant is the person of Jesus. And even though there's a prophecy for the nation of Israel there, that has not yet happened. There will be a day when Israel will come back and they will devote themselves to the Lord their God and to David's descendant, his king. They will devote themselves to Jesus. The Bible says in the last days there will be a great revival and it will start with the nation of Israel. Isn't that amazing? But in the meantime, he goes on to say, 
And in the last days, they will tremble in awe of the Lord and of his goodness. How many have ever uh, heard this song, This Is The Day? It comes from the book of uh, Psalms 118. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We are a people who are ex experiencing God's mercy and abundant love through our faith in Jesus Christ in the day we live. How many know this is the day? Hallelujah. This is the day. And in these days, we will tremble in awe of the Lord and of his goodness. Aren't you thankful for his goodness? His goodness and his love for us? The Apostle Paul, in trying to preach to the uh, Jewish people in Romans chapter 2, he said to them, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And there's something about this message that, of course, Hosea didn't understand because it was all about the law and it was all about a God who was holy, but they didn't understand his love and his passion for them. So, of course, God wanted to teach Hosea his message so that he could teach us his message. Now, I'm running out of time here. Um, do you understand this morning that God is working out his plan in history? Do you understand that? God is all-powerful. He is almighty. He's passionate as a husband for us. Some of us are freaking out a little bit about what's going on in the United States and what's going on with uh, Congress. And Do you understand that God is fulfilling prophecies that were given thousands of years ago? And the things that are happening in the United States were prophesied thousands of years ago. And the things that are happening in the Middle East and Israel were prophesied thousands of years ago. God is in control. And he is faithful to his plan. There will be times in history when people reject God and sadly suffer consequences as a result of that. But God will not stop loving them. He still loves. He is faithful to love. And so, as we walk through this season, in the meantime, we are called to love one another with God's supernatural love. We can invite the worship team to come and I'm going to close by reading uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 17. Let me read this to you, and as I do, I'm hoping it'll just kind of wash over you. I, I hope you're learning how much God loves you. Be, because if you don't understand God's passionate love, He's so loved. God's so loved. If you don't understand God's love, his passion for you, you'll never communicate that to the world. You'll never be able to communicate an unconditional love, a love that God has. God doesn't have love. He doesn't do love. God is love. And he has called us to love one another. So I'd just like to read in closing. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 17. 
says, dear friends, don't you love John? He's talking to you. He's talking to me. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. And we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment but we will face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. So I'll invite you to stand with me this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we don't know what to say. You said it all. Lord, we're like Hosea. We don't understand love. We don't understand you. How could you love us as wicked and selfish and self-centered as we are, worshiping other idols and other gods? And yet you still love us.